To quote the late, great Carrie Fisher, sometimes you can only find heaven by slowly backing away from hell. This is Nerd Out. I'm Rob Lloyd. And with me every single podcast is the great Sandra Felcher. How are you doing, mate? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. Happy to be back after a week off. Look, and, you know, we'll take uh, Miss Fisher's quote on board. We slowly backed away from the hell that was 2016, and we are now in the potential and opportunistic heaven that is 2017. Welcome to our first ever episode of Nerd Out for 2017. We've got a big show. Mm. I've got high hopes for this year, Sandra. I think this is going to be a damn good year. What do you think? I think it is going to be a fun year. I mean, we're getting new Doctor Who, and whenever we get new Doctor Who... It's always a really good year to look forward to. Uh, and we're getting it early in the year as well, which is which is awesome. Yeah, I think so as well. I think who is a good benchmark of, of you know, the positive energy that will be within the nerd community, and that spills out into mainstream culture as well. Because we're a very influential people, the nerds in the world, so mm. the, the geeks have inherited the earth. So I think, yeah, who is one of those few sci-fi franchises that focuses on the positive and the opportunity and the, you know, the boundless potential in the world and the universe as opposed to a lot of sci-fi now, which is all about dystopian futures and, and the end of the world. We're dealing with enough of that in the reality with you know the upcoming inauguration of Mr. Trump and conflicts all around the world. So let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on the opportunity. Let's focus on what good is out there in the world. And we've got a lot of good to focus on. We've got our nerd headlines. We've got what we've been consuming lately. We'll be looking at uh, the movie Passengers, which just came out. And, of course, the Doctor Who Christmas special, which went to air a couple of weeks ago, but also uh, screened in the cinemas. So we've got um, a lot on our nerd plate. Uh, I hope we can devour it all in the amount of time that we have. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so, too. It's a massive episode. So uh, let's let's jump right in. So let's get started with our nerd headlines. Now, um, first and foremost uh, was the uh, tragic passing of uh, Carrie Fisher, and then the very next day, her her, her dear, sweet mum, legendary uh, Debbie Reynolds. And uh, just this week, we've had uh, the funeral of uh, both icons of uh, cinema and indeed popular culture. So um, both Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds were laid to rest this week, and um, in... <laughs> In fitting tribute, yet Carrie Fisher had indeed the last laugh. She was uh, buried in a Prozac pill, which... uh, Did you see the pictures of that, Sandro? I did, yes. Uh, And her her dear brother, uh, Todd Fisher, revealed it was a porcelain antique Prozac pill from the 1950s, and it was one of Carrie's prized possessions. And so there was no other real way for her to be buried and then in that, which I find absolutely beautiful and makes me, you know, I couldn't love that woman any more than I do. Uh, this week as well also saw the airing, uh, HBO uh, fast-tracked it because of um, the tragic passing of Debbie and, and Carrie. Uh, the documentary that was made about them, uh, uh, Bright Lights, starring Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, went to air on HBO uh, last night. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I, I saw the trailer for it and it's absolutely hilarious just and looks absolutely beautiful i think it'd be a great way to uh uh, say goodbye to um to the to these great ladies so to finish off about our um our report about carrie fisher and debbie reynolds i will say this as she wanted to be uh announced as her obituary carrie fisher did indeed pass away uh she was drowned in moonlight strangled by her own bra so it is a 
uh, a great loss, and uh, you'll be in our thoughts and our hearts forever, Miss Fisher. Now, uh, other big uh, news, there's little bits of tidbits coming around in the nerd headlines. Tell us about what's going on with James Gunn, Sandro. Yeah, well, this is one I'm particularly excited about. James Gunn, who is, uh, of course, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy in the upcoming Guardians Volume 2, he uh, has apparently been in talks with Marvel for a possible Moon Knight project. We don't know whether or not it's going to be a movie, could be a Netflix show. I personally think that would work better than a movie. But all we know is that James Gunn's pitched it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it, but he thinks it's a good idea. Um, Moon Knight is a really weird character, but uh, one that I've been a fan of for a while. Um, If you don't know who he is, well, the more recent version of him is that he is this guy uh, who has multiple personality disorder. And one day, he hears the voice of an Egyptian god, and this Egyptian god tells him that this particular man who's going to be walking past him a little bit is not a good person, and that he should... Well, he should kill him, and that's what Moon Knight does, and continues to do. This voice keeps telling him targets and stuff. It's kind of like the early seasons of Arrow, but a little bit darker. And the whole point is, we don't ever really know whether or not this is an Egyptian god talking to him, or it's just a part of his disorder. So it's really, really dark stuff, really violent, but uh, really intriguing. It's one that I have been hoping to see in a possible Netflix show, and Netflix would definitely be the best place to do it. He has a lot to do with The Punisher as well, so there is a definite team-up credibility there because of course the the Punisher is getting his own show I think this year I think they're already filming it so probably this year Um, and so maybe maybe we could see a possible cameo in the future and then uh, him getting spun off into his own show which would be exciting excellent stuff Uh, other uh, nerd news uh, exciting news Matt Ryan will again reprise his role of John Constantine uh, the uh, occult detective who um, had a one series run on NBC before it was cancelled, but then returned for a special episode in season four of Arrow. Oh, it was a fantastic episode. Absolutely loved it. Uh, he also uh, lent his voice to Constantine in the Justice League Dark animated uh, movie, which will be coming out later this year, which I'm really excited to see. And he's lending his voice again to Constantine for uh, the CW. So they're doing an animated series, uh, six or seven ten-minute episodes, and he'll be lending his voice to his animated version of Constantine there. And so Greg Berlanti's behind this. Yay! And David S. Goya. Boo! Drag factor of Goya. (laughs) The S. Goya drag factor won't uh, take over because we have the Greg Berlanti, you know, uh, factor who you know powers through the DC universe in television form in such a beautiful, uh, respectful way. Um, but yeah, so that's all the nerd headlines. That's, we'll keep you up to date as we do with every episode. But now it's been a while since we've uh, you know had our um, mouths communicating back and forth over this <laughs> digital medium. Um, so what have we been consuming lately? What have you been consuming lately, uh, Sandra? What have you what have what have you been taking in to your eye holes and your ear holes and your other holes? Um, I've been consuming multiple stuff, a whole bunch of movies. <laughs> A new Netflix show uh, called The OA, which I wrote a review of up on the Facebook page. Saw Assassin's Creed. It was awful. But uh, I saw another thing just because we talked about the trailer a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, look, I kind of have to watch it now. We've given it a lot of flack. I've kind of got to check it out. And I did. It It was the pilot episode of Emerald City, the new Wizard of Oz show by NBC. Oh, Give me the cold opener. 
what is the first what is your first glimpse of Emerald City when you tuned in to watch it what is the first thing you saw Okay, so um, we weren't uh, completely correct. The main character, who for some reason is called Dorothy, I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't go down that path, but they did call her Dorothy. She actually isn't a cop. She is a nurse, which I really like. That's a cool element. She's kind of like a healer. Then she goes to her house. A bunch of stuff happens. They try to make her care about her family, but you just don't. After 10 minutes, um, she's caught up in a tornado. Somehow steals a cop's gun, gets in his car, and then goes up into the tornado and crashes down in some weird snow land that looks a lot like the opening of uh, the Narnia movie. Then just a bunch of stuff happens. It kind of takes itself seriously for the first 10 minutes, I think. It felt a little bit like uh, the Legend of Tarzan movie that came out last year. Not many people saw it, which was a good thing. It wasn't very good. But it kind of felt like that kind of um, dark, not gritty, but for an older audience. But then once you get into the actual land of Oz, uh, it all falls apart. <laughs> so you got her walking around. There's a whole bunch of um, dwarves. I don't know what characters they're meant to be based on. <laughs> they were that different from the actual characters from the book. Were they like variations of the munchkins or something like that? I think they were, but they weren't called munchkins. I remember that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays the wizards, referred them to the... I don't know, like, something that sounds a lot like Munchkins, but it wasn't that. It was kind of like a very Lord of the Rings type of word. <laughs> don't say Munchkin. Munchkin's too cute. And we're serious. Grr, yeah. we're so great. Yeah, okay, right, okay. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, he plays the wizard. Uh, probably the only good thing about it, but you can kind of tell that he's phoning him in just a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not the worst that I've seen him. Uh, he was not very good in Magnificent Seven, for example. He is better in this, but still not amazing. Uh, you've got the Witch of the West, who for some reason runs a brothel, and of course the first thing you see is a sex scene with her. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm not even going to mention, and they completely mess up Toto. So he was the police dog that was trapped in the police car when she went through... Uh, the portal to the land of Oz. And uh, his name isn't Toto. Toto is the word that the people of Oz call dogs. That is their language. That's what they call dogs. <laughs> and that was the moment where I kind of went, yeah, I'm done with this. And I just stopped watching. It's bad, seriously. 0.5 out of 7 Samurai. <laughs> like, Vincent D'Onofrio is the only good part in this. Just don't watch it, please. Wow. The online feedback has been pretty much universally, you know, negative as well. I, I, you're not the oasis of negativity amongst a sea of positivity towards this show. No, well, I do have some friends who are enjoying it. I can understand why they like it. I think that it's kind of like the Gotham of fantasy, right? A lot of people really hate Gotham, but I like it because it's kind of silly. It doesn't take itself too seriously, yet also kind of has that dark tone. Maybe that's what they are seeing in this show, perhaps. I, I, I was nowhere near excited about watching it, and so there was there's no chance in hell that I'll go anywhere near it. So thank you for putting that final nail in the coffin for me. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Now we don't have to talk about it ever again. Ever. Yeah, well, look, if there's any hope for 2017, you know, shows like Agent Carter get cancelled by ABC after two seasons. I'm hoping that this goes the way of the dodo and this is where, you know, common sense prevails and bad shows get given the ass, and good shows will continue and thrive. Yeah, hopefully. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll start this year with hope. 
Uh, well, let's move rapidly on from that. Uh, Rob, have you been consuming anything good? We need something <laughs> good to follow on from that. I have. I've been going back and watching some stuff from the past, from uh, from my youth. Uh, it's just been released. It's been released uh, on DVD here in Australia, which is great. We've only got the odd episode here or there, but now they've released the complete uh, Superman animated series done by uh, Tim Burton, Paul Dini, and all those folks at um, you know, Warner Brothers on television. This was uh, the guys that made the animated Batman series back in the, the early 90s. Uh, they developed a Superman version of that as well. Ran for four seasons, uh, three seasons actually, whereas the, um, the Batman series ran for four. So it was d- developed by Alan Burton, Paul Dini, and Bruce Timm, and it was very different from the you know the gothic sort of like uh, Art Deco version of Gotham that was presented in the animated series, which you know spawned Harley Quinn and uh, the the new version of Mister Freeze and brought us the iconic, you know, the definitive Joker in the voice of Mark Hamill. So they had a lot, a lot to live up to with the Superman series. But they set this one in Metropolis with a more of a uh, a futuristic, sort of like retro-futuristic view, a city of tomorrow, uh, you know, because, you know, Superman is the man of tomorrow. Uh, And so brought in more light, more colour, more hope, brilliant voice cast as they always did, Tim Daly, from Wings and uh, went on to be the voice of uh, uh, Superman. We got Dana Delaney, who's one of my favorite actresses ever. Uh, Clancy Brown, the brilliant Clancy Brown, mm-hmm. the Kurgan from um, Highlander and Earth Two and uh, Shawshank Redemption. Incredible actor does the voice of uh, Lex Luthor, one of the best versions of Lex Luthor ever. Just incredible, incredible voice cast. You know, uh, Malcolm McDowell is the voice of Metallo. You've got Gilbert Godfrey is the voice of Mr. Mixelplex. Just wonderful stuff all the way through. It's a really beautifully animated series and a great reinterpretation of um, the Superman character. And, you know, it's Superman with hope, Superman with fun, Superman with energy. Uh, I'm just, I've just powered through about five discs over the Christmas break and I've still... I've, Slow down, slow down a bit because I've been um, catching up with Sherlock and and going to the movies quite a lot recently. So I want to get back into it. Probably today I should be doing work about my tours that I'm doing this year, but instead I'll go, well, this is work for nerd out. <laughs> yeah, they only made 54 episodes and they were, uh, one of the famous ones was the crossover the world's finest with the animated batman so they brought kevin conroy in plus they brought in harley quinn and mark hamill came in as the joker and they've got a bit of an arc as well which is great so characters develop and dropping hints about dark side coming in i'm getting up to the point where dark side actually comes into the story which i'm really excited about so i'm giving this like six and a half samurai it's so much fun beautifully animated beautiful voice work it's um, great fun so that is what i've been been consuming and it is so so good now it's time to move on to our main reviews we're going to be looking at two we're going to be looking at passengers and of course the doctor who uh christmas special i'll I'll pass it over to you mr mr felcher which would you like to address first do you the passengers or do you the doctor who um let's end on a hopeful note let's go passengers first (laughs) great okay now i wrote up my uh spoiler free review uh on on the page and i shared it around and there's been a lot of talk about it and um i've been getting some great feedback from people so we'll go into a bit more detail this is all spoiler filled this is Mm. filled now i was quite hopeful when the first trailer came out i was quite hopeful for this film i was looking forward to it it was a mainstream sci-fi film 
It was original. It was going to be a one-off, no franchise building, no world building. I was excited. And then the reviews started coming in and then the controversy started coming in and then the next came in. So we'll go into a bit more detail of it, but um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. There were parts of it I adored. It's a bold film to be a mainstream movie release sci-fi blockbuster. And the basic premise behind this whole film is a moral dilemma, is a big moral question that uh, a lot of people are not willing to accept and do not feel as if it has been resolved enough, almost this sort of like Hollywood ending that they give the film. So we'll go into more detail, but what did you think of Passengers, Sandro? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this movie for a very long time. Uh, I first read the original Blacklist script uh, back in 2012. If you don't know, the Blacklist is a site where people can sign up and read these undeveloped scripts I read it back in uh, 2012, but it was first uploaded in uh, 2007 and uh, and was in development hell for years. Um, at the point I read it, it was still Keanu Reeves and Emily Blunt uh, were going to play the uh, the two leads. It was going to be a very low-budget movie. And then it got cancelled. And then in uh, 2015, I think it was very early 2015, it was announced that we got Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, two actors who I am a massive fan fan of uh i've been a massive fan of jennifer lawrence pretty much ever since uh winter's bone before the hunger games when i first saw in that i mean if you haven't seen it check it out it's a brilliant movie uh as well as uh pratt who i first um saw in parks and rec uh (laughs) but of course he has popped up in many movies since then and i am a massive fan of both of them as well as michael sheen michael sheen is incredible michael sheen is uh outstanding actor Uh, it was great to see him back on the big screen and he was amazing in passengers he was outstanding oh yes easily so once the trailers came out i actually didn't watch the trailers at all um i didn't even know the trailers came out i think until i think it was when i went and saw star wars actually was the first time that i saw one of the trailers uh and i kind of had that feeling where i was like oh no uh this looks like they've captured some of it right but this could go very badly maybe the studio has been really involved because i know that there were a lot of uh reshoots in i think very very late in production um which normally is fine i mean it happened to rogue one they got past it but then again this was like suicide squad level reshoots uh and normally it does mean that the studio got way too involved and unfortunately that's what i think happened um i think it was a good movie the performances were good chris pratt really brought it especially in that first i think 40 minutes where it really is just him on the ship and then uh, Jennifer Lawrence, not the best performance I've seen from her, but uh, definitely not a bad performance. Not X-Men Apocalypse, just not caring performance, which we got earlier in the year. basic premise is there's a, a ship which is traveling through space to get to a new settlement, a new colony. And they are 30 years into their 120-year trip. And during that time, something goes wrong. And one of the passengers is brought out of cryogenic freeze too early and so the only companions he has are sort of like the little robot droids that are going around and a robot barman um played by michael sheen uh, the one thing he's on the point of trying to kill himself the one thing that saves him is he sees one of the passengers who is jennifer lawrence uh and that saves him and he becomes obsessed with her and he goes through then this moral dilemma about i figured out how i can bring people out of stasis i could bring her out so he doesn't inc- incredibly selfish thing he puts himself ahead of her and he brings her out of stasis no matter how much moral dilemma he goes through like months of do i don't i 
does it. She comes out of stasis. She believes that she's been accidentally brought out like him. They form a relationship. When everything is at its high point, Michael Sheen lets slip that it was all planned and then goes on this moral descent about, you know, he lied to her, he did all these horrible things to her without her consent, without her control. And then conveniently, out of the blue, Lawrence Fishburne just shows up. (laughs) Yeah, what a weird cameo that was. We come here. We don't see him come out of cryogenic. We don't find out why he really came out. Um, there's a, a passing line about he was brought out because he, and he just so happens to be a mechanic or he was he can operate all the systems. So what they've been denied for two years, um, he can have access to. He has access to the restricted area. He has all this type of stuff. It is the most convenient appearance ever. All the ship is starting to close down, and it's because of a previous media shower that went through. It pierced the ship, and they have to fix it. Chris Pratt sacrifices himself to save the 5,000 passengers, and Jennifer oh, saves him anyway, brings him back to life, and then he reveals that actually their, their auto-healing uh, system in on the, on the medical bay can actually be used as suspended animation, but it can only fit one person. Chris Pratt's character goes... There's a chance now. I've taken your life away, Jennifer Lawrence. You can now go back into hibernation. And then she goes, no, I will stay here with you. And then it cuts to 80 years later, they wake up, and there's a voiceover from Jennifer Lawrence going, this is what we've done to prepare you, and the whole you know, you know, main four courtyard is all with trees, and the, the robots are running around like farmers, and Andy Garcia, who shows up for no apparent reason as the captain with a beard, goes, what the fuck? And then it ends. <laughs> Hopefully. This is the problem with Passengers. It was going so well for the first, what, hour and 15 minutes. Then when Jennifer Lawrence finds out, I just think the movie just kind of dissolves into this mess of everything happening all at once. And it was like the studio when we've set up Chris Pratt as a bit of a bad guy, right? He's not that nice of a guy. He's a bit selfish. The studio obviously got scared. They were like, we can't have this happen. Let's let's make her find out somewhere in the middle of the movie. Uh, And, uh, yeah, because she finds out in the original script at the very, not the very end of the movie, but closer to the end, around the time where Chris Pratt's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And that works so well. It's a really good kind of, like, moral dilemma. It all kind of builds up to that. There's the whole thing with the ship about to crash, which you could feel the powers behind the movie going, this is a mainstream film. And much like Arrival, people aren't still that familiar with these kind of hard sci-fi concepts. So we're going to spell it out for you. Also, here's an action sequence so that the kids don't get bored. With really cool visuals, mind you. I like the whole pool sequence where it was like this floating pool. That was awesome. That was beautifully done. I think all around the film was visually quite good but uh yeah it was just way too convenient you've got the ending which felt like it was taken out of twilight i just think those first two acts were so good and then it just completely just dissolves into a mess of averageness near the end yeah the moral question about chris pratt making a selfish decision to you know bring someone back purely from a point of view of he needs someone to talk to and he's lonely was explored They explored all the avenues. You saw the moral dilemma he went through. He didn't just go, I'm going to bring her back. So a lot of people going, he's an evil character. He is a bad 
guy. I think it's a bit too black and white. He is a, you know, you can see he's a good guy, but he makes a horrible decision, a horribly selfish decision, and he does something very bad. And I like, I kind of was happy that she found out sooner. And her emotional dealing with that was good as well. You saw his emotional dealing. Her, I like how they showed that. I thought that was very important. The reveal at the end would have been good, but we needed to see that emotional stance of it. But just for me, at the end, where she had the opportunity, this was a perfect chance. There was This would have made the film work and everything else would have been fine. When he went, he can put one person in the status go into status she should have gone thank you yes i will and then she wakes up and she can tell the story and he's done all this stuff on his own and he's at peace with that he made a choice he had his time i did not believe it for a second it was he did not redeem himself enough you know it wasn't done well enough uh, for us to believe wholeheartedly that jennifer lawrence's character would have stayed there and it would have made a better film and it would have ended a lot of this controversy that if she would have stepped back into that and she got to live her life and it really was a bad decision as a male writer to give a female character that decision uh it's a bad decision for a mainstream film Mm -hmm. to go yeah they lived happily ever after because nobody saw that and everyone wanted to see something else and the filmmakers didn't give us that definitely yeah uh, so all in all, what uh, what are you going to give passengers out of uh, out of seven samurai? Yeah, I'll give it three and a half. I'll keep with I'll keep my three and a half uh, samurai rating on there. So the visuals were great. The performances were solid. It looked beautifully. It was shot beautifully, directed beautifully. The the whole concept of the ship and how that was all captured was great. Like you said, the anti grav pool scene was just a masterpiece. But yeah, it just. It was clumsily done at the ending. It was hamstrung. It was too convenient, and it just it, it betrayed what we had seen uh, beforehand. So yeah, three and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a three and a half as well. Of course, keep an eye out for more original sci-fi's. I know we're getting Cloverfield three, God Particle uh, this year near the end of the year, which is apparently very similar to Passengers. So we'll have to wait and see how JJ uh, Abrams and the crew can handle it. I miss ten Cloverfield Lane, so I've got to see that. Cool, and now we'll go on to something more positive, shall we? Let's uh, go to our, our review of the Doctor Who Christmas special, The Return of Doctor Mysterio, which I got to see in the cinemas. Where did you see it, Sandro? Uh, I saw it just at home, just on uh, just on the TV after coming home. Uh, I saw it, I think, two days after it aired, so a little bit late just because I was away and had no connection to anything. Yeah, managed to manage to catch it and had a lot of fun great yeah 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 it was and that's the that's the key word isn't it the key word for this uh christmas special it's fun it's a lot of fun i mean i'm not the biggest fan of uh the christmas specials within the doctor who world i find them tired and boring and not very good storytelling i haven't liked any of them really but the one i like the most is a christmas carol the matt smith one his first one i think that was a beautifully well-told story yeah well in terms of christmas specials i like about half of them uh, i agree christmas carol is the best one i also really enjoy the snowmen um just as a bit of fun yeah a lot of people love the snowmen yeah it's pro- pro- probably me my second favorite uh third i'm tempted to say i don't know i enjoy last christmas probably again because it's a bit of fun and also has some uh some interesting sci-fi elements in there and of course wraps up clara's kind of arc for uh for season eight to a certain extent i like the the previous 
Christmas special, the Husbands of River Song. I think that was way over the top, way panto and uh, camp comedy, which I quite liked, and it fitted the the style of story that was being told. And there was a nice emotional punch at the end with Capaldi and Kingston in the top of their form working together. It was just a beautiful moment. I think Last Christmas was a bit too dark. They didn't really balance the darkness and the whimsy enough. Nick Frost was really good in that. Um, but this one was, I thought, a really good balance, a perfect balance. It was a lot of people, and I was worried this was the jumping the shark moment where Doctor Who meets the the comic book world of DC and Marvel that's taken over the universe. I like how it was explained within the Doctor Who universe quite beautifully. I like the fact they had Christmas just in the, the cold opener and then we didn't see any Christmas stuff. Again, I was happy with that. I think they hamstrung a bit by the whole Christmas special format. Mm. So, yeah, I thought it was fun. It was great. The supporting cast were very, very good. Uh, Justin uh, Chatwin, who played uh, Grant and the, the superhero The Ghost, was very good, very dry, very uh, straight-faced, but really brought out the comedy really well. Really sincere performance, which I like. The actress who played uh, the reporter was has suffered Stephen Moffat-itis. She was overwritten uh, way too much. Um, and so she was way too harsh, way too aggressive, way too smug in some moments that could have been quite beautiful. Um, she kind of pushed a bit hard, but I don't think that was her fault. I don't think it was the actress's fault. I think it was just she suffered from Moffat going, this is a strong female character. I will write her. Like I write every single strong female character. Yes. What did you think of it, Sandra? Yeah, the return of Doctor Mysterio was interesting. Uh, it was very much Moffat's greatest hits. Of course, he's been a massive fan of superheroes as a kid, and uh, you you can tell that he was a fan, kind of bringing it into this because it was kind of it was kind of poking fun at superhero films at times, yet also being a solid superhero story. Um, I thought that uh, yeah. Justin Chatwin did a Good job. I liked his. Uh, I liked his Christian Bale voice whenever he put it on. It was a lot of fun. Um, I agree. Uh, the journalist, who I think is played by Charity Wakefield, uh, according to the Wikipedia page, uh, she did a good job playing it. But again, the writing wasn't great. Uh, Matt Lucas was back, who I didn't like at all in uh, the Husbands of River Song. I thought he was way too cheesy in that, and he was very much playing himself. He was playing Matt Lucas. He wasn't playing this character. Um, in this one, he was playing the character and he had some great moments, um, but I still, I'm still not sure whether or not I want him to show up in season 10. It looks like he is, but still not sure whether or not I want that to happen. Nah, see, okay, that for me, I'm not a big fan of Matt Lucas. I didn't get on board the whole uh, Little Britain bandwagon, so I never really liked him. I remember seeing him in uh, Russell T. Davis' Casanova, and he was quite good in that. But yeah, I haven't been that impressed with what his the, the body of work I have seen him in. But um, so I was a bit hesitant. But then, as soon as I saw him, I fell in love. I thought that he was perfect for what Doctor Who needs because I'm so sick and tired of the format that we've been given. Of you know what we need? We need the Doctor and a companion who's a young hot girl. And maybe that's just because Moffat writes his young hot girls all the same. I enjoyed the breath of fresh air and it helped Moffat as well with his writing to go, you know what? Yeah. With Matt Lucas, as soon as he started to speak, it was really good. It was like an off kilter sense of humor. It was that whole different perspective. He's you know, an alien from a different planet who's you know the most British of aliens that we could find. 
but that was great. So to have, you know, this big dramatic, you know, quite cliched moment of the superhero coming and taking the damsel away and then cutting to Matt Lucas going, oh, he seems nice, doesn't he? <laughs> I absolutely adored that. And I think that's the type of comedy we need with Who. And he shows that he has got the dramatic um, chops as well because beautiful moments with just him and Capaldi. They're a great pairing. They work really well off each other, I think, and a different dynamic as well. Yeah, I would agree with you, but here's my major problem with where I think they're going with Doctor Who at the moment, and that is that, yes, Matt Lucas, he did a good job, you know, and again, the writing for him was great, but what I think Moffat's doing, bit of a repeat of uh, what happened with David Tennant and the reason why season three was not so great. This entire episode was based around the Doctor being like, I miss Amy and Rory, so let's figure out how to get them back. And it seems like that's where they're going. And that's why I, I kind of have a feeling that Bill may suffer the same problems that we had with Martha. Of course, after Rose, David Tennant was quite sad and always, you know, going, oh, I miss Rose and stuff. And, of course, Martha was kind of pushed to the side because of that. And also she was very similar uh, in terms of writing to Rose. And I, I have a feeling that we're going to get that with Bill. I don't want that to happen because I think the Pearl Mackey will do a really good job. And what we have seen of her in the trailer, she looks like she is going to be very interesting character, but I have a feeling that where they're going with this, and it was kind of confirmed to a certain extent with this episode, is it's going to be Peter Capaldi looking back at his past and going, I miss that, I want to get it back, I've got two companions, but they're not going to be here forever, I want to focus and, you know, try and get the pawns back, which could be a fun season arc, but again, I think it's going to harm these characters. I think the loneliness he feels is just a loneliness in general. So I don't think they're going to dwell on that. They got to do it a bit, which was nice to see. Capaldi didn't really deal with that much. We've had, you know, the angry, ranty uh, Capaldi in season eight. We had the more whimsical, you know, you know, guitar playing, but can still hit the gravity moments like in the Zygons, two-parter, and in Hellbent, or, I mean, in the Heaven Sent. Um, so it was good to see him feeling this loss. I'm thinking... They're going to springboard in with a new hope, a new life, a new opportunity with Pearl and Mackie. She's going to just fill that screen with so much energy. I can't wait to see it and see this firebrand of energy hit the screen. And that's going to be a great balance with, uh, you know, Matt Lucas's quite uh, reserved, you know, understated, quirky humor. It's going to be a good balance. Yeah, look, I'm definitely hoping that that's the case. I mean, Pearl Mackie looks great. Um, Matt Lucas is fun. Uh, I'm sure that he will definitely bring a good element to the season. I'm just not 100% sure about him yet, but I'm sure that I will be once the new season starts. And of course, I mean, Peter Capaldi's already uh, already proven himself as one of the best Doctors. Um, but where I'm coming from, I'm guessing my angle is knowing Stephen Moffat as a writer and knowing that season 10 is his last season. I've been a big fan of Stephen Moffat. I really enjoyed all his seasons, all his season arcs, all his stories I've really enjoyed. It's just more... As a writer, he always wants to do a big event. And as his final season, I'm sure he wants to go out on a massive note. And I don't don't think he'll go down the RTD road of Tennant being sad and calling out people for 15 minutes. I think that it's more going to be a big thing happening. And, you know, as we saw the beginning, what, 
five minutes of this show had Peter Capaldi going, how do I, how do I end a time lock? And who's in a time lock? Amy and Rory are. And if he wants to end it, and he's obviously trying to get them out for something. We don't know yet. Maybe something else. Maybe it could be about something different. Maybe we're all just reading in, into this too much. And I hope that that's the case. But again, knowing Stephen Moffat, he's going to want to end on a big note. I'm sure that means bringing some characters back. And I don't think Amy and Rory are free. I mean, Cameron Gillan's off shooting Infinity War and Arthur Darvill's back on Legends of Tomorrow. So I don't think they're free to really shoot anything. Maybe it's for the next Christmas special. We'll have to wait and see. But um, I'm hopeful, as you said. I'm very hopeful because, you know, it's Doctor Who and it's going to be great either way. But I just have a feeling that Stephen Moffat's up to something and it may mean that these new companions aren't going to be as great as they possibly could be. I think it'll be a good... I hate to say it, it's going to be a good send-off year for Peter Capaldi. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be, but I, I know he's a Who traditionalist, and most Who, you know, got, you know, you know, Matt Smith stayed for three, David Tennant stayed for three. I would love him to stay for another two to do, you know, because his favourite doctor, really, he grew up with John Pertwee. John Pertwee stayed for five. I would love him to equal the Pertwee five record, do two seasons with Chris Chibnall. But I, uh, I'm just – the realist in me goes he's going to do ten, he's going to go out with a bang, and Chibnall's going to start with a whole new crew, a whole new writing staff, a whole new doctor, and that new doctor – she will be awesome. Ah, I see, I see what you did there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Some things that I absolutely loved about this Christmas special, again, as you said, the comical timing with Nardole was great, but also just some of the comedy, I guess, elements. I don't really, really know the exact word to explain it, but, like, the torture doll thing that, that Lucy kind of squeezed to get the Doctor talking, I found quite funny. And it's stuff like that that makes a Christmas special. Um, Christmas specials kind of need that one thing for you to remember it by, and I think that's going to be the one for this episode. I really enjoyed that, as well as just the kind of self-referential humour with the whole superhero thing. I mean, the guy's called Grant Gordon, which is, is, you you know, that's about as superhero as you can get. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, I I love the opening. Like, um, Capaldi worked beautifully with a young actor playing uh, Grant. That that child actor was really beautiful, and how they... um, introduced each other and then how Capaldi came back in his life when he was a teenager as well. I love that whole, you know, the mentor carrying on through the whole people's life, which is a carry on from the Amy Pond story, obviously, because she was you know, the imaginary friend. But now, like, you know, the, you know, the, the character who shows up every once in a while, this was done quite beautifully. I liked it within the realms of the, the sci-fi slash comic book world. Yeah, beautiful little moments like that. The, the monsters gave the hint that they're going to be back, the, the aliens, and they were kind of just generic they looked impressive so yeah there was yeah the the humor kept on powering through this the sets were beautiful uh and it had one of my favorite lines of all time when <laughs> the doctor's talking to grant and going you've loved her all your life and now you're working as her nanny and you're helping her raise another man's child and he goes yes he goes oh and you haven't told her how you feel he goes no he goes oh god i can't believe i finally met someone in the universe who's worse at this than i am i'm going yay <laughs> beautiful Beautiful line. That whole sequence, I thought, was really, really funny. All the stuff where, like, he was getting interviewed was a lot of fun, where he was trying to tell her, but she just wouldn't look up from the from the pad. I found quite funny as well. Um, yeah, just a really fun episode. That's what we need from a Christmas special. Uh, you can have your rare 
A Christmas Carol, which is fun, but also, you know, kind of makes you think a little bit, has great performances, but most of them really should just be a lot of fun, really good comedies with some elements of, you know, your classic Doctor Who villains in there. Um, with these brain-swapping aliens, which were uh, which were visually quite good. Could have been written a bit better. I think they suffered from what a lot of superhero movies do suffer from, and that's just the villains not really having any depth. But I, I don't think that really uh, hurt the episode in any way, because they were really just there as disposable villains, and they worked for that. Yeah, I, I like to think it was uh, Stephen Moffat's homage to the Marvel universe with how the, poorly written their, their villains are. Um, yeah, and I think it built up well for one of the most corniest, cheesiest lines at the end of it, but it worked because it built up so so well. When Grant has revealed himself to Lucy as being a superhero, he's holding the bomb with one hand and she, you know, and she says to him, you know, finally, you know, you need, you know, this only works if you're in your costume. Uh, in your hero, in your superhero costume, and he goes, oh, I, I'm kind of busy at the moment, and she pulls out his glasses and put them on and goes, that's the real superhero. And <laughs> then, any other any other story, I would have been throwing popcorn going, get the fuck out of here, get the fuck out of here. And I went, yes, I, ag- I go with that, I agree with that. Mm. Fuck you, 2016, that's what we need. We need that type of corniness to see out the end of that year. I, I, yeah. I, I I, I embraced it. So it wasn't the greatest moment. It was quite a disposable Doctor Who episode, but it was a fun disposable episode. And so I, I ranked that over The Voyage of the Damned. I wrote that over The End of Time Part 1. I wrote that over The Christmas Invasion, The Runaway Bride, um, you know, uh, uh, The Doctor, the Witch, uh, the Doctor, the Wardrobe, and the Widow. It was, <laughs> it was just um, beautiful. It was a yeah, beautiful, fun disposable moment to just go yep okay that's my christmas move on and we'll get to some you know classic stuff in season 10 hopefully yeah and also it's just refreshing to have this episode i mean after class which was so just (laughs) just down and depressing and just not fun to watch at all we had this which was the complete opposite it was just full of life a lot of fun and uh yeah a nice return. Cannot wait for season 10. Um, again, I have my gripes about it, but at the same time, it's Doctor Who, and either way, I'm going to love it. Yeah, and there was no Ram. No Ram was in it. There wasn't any Ram. Ram was <laughs> We'll never see Ram again. Yeah. Get renewed. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful news about 2017? We no longer get to see Ram on screen ever again. That'd be awesome. Ca- cannot wait <laughs> for no more Ram. I'll finish off by saying one thing. There's been a little criticism about... Uh, Capaldi, like in his appearance in class and um, carrying on into this, but people are saying Capaldi's phoning in his performances. And I I, I want to clarify that people need to sort it out. Don't mistake ease and confidence in a performance with giving up on the role. Capaldi has never given up on playing the Doctor in any of his performances. This is the role he has wanted to play since he was like a child, since he was like six, seven years old. And People are thinking that he's just phoning it in. He is not phoning it in. He is finally at ease with his character. He has now done the hard work, so now he can keep working, but it's so, you don't even need to see the gear change now. He is like a Formula One racer. He can just easily slip from one gear to the next beautifully. So those people who are saying are phoning in his performance, this is Peter Capaldi at the height of his Doctor Who power. He is hitting all his beats 
seamlessly, beautifully, and this is a beautiful sight to see. Capaldi's Doctor is is finally well-shaped now, and he's playing it as he's, it's like a second skin now. The first two seasons, he was finding his place with it, which we want to see. No, no actor finds his Doctor straight away, unless you're Peter Davison, who hit his Doctor perfectly and did not change at all and did not move. He just pretty much played the straight note until his final performance, which is one of the greatest, you know, doctor performances ever with Cave and Rosani. So yeah, Capaldi is finally in his skin comfortable with the doctor and he can just, you will now see why he was perfectly chosen to be the doctor because he oh, will be, yeah, yeah. Season 10 is going to be something magical to see. I, 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 I hope. Yeah, well, I mean, he's always been, um, I would probably say, the best acted Doctor in terms of New Who. Um, and uh, Season 10, again, just from the two-minute look that we got at the end of the special, it looks like he is just going to be bringing it to another level. And as you said, he's really confident now, and it definitely shows with his performance. And yeah, I, I cannot wait for Season 10. We got, what, Four months to wait now, so it's very, very close. And uh, no, so it's coming out in what May? I think it's late April, early May. I'm not entirely certain the exact date yet because I don't. They've announced it, but that's around the time. Yeah, the, the, the April May season. Well, there you go. Well, that is something to look forward to. But all in all, um, I'm probably going to give The Return of Dr. Mysterio probably a solid 5 out of 7. Had a couple grabs with it, but all in all, it did what it needed to do, which was be a little bit of fun on Christmas. And, of course, great performances from Peter Capaldi and uh, just teasing the new year very well. Uh, what are you going to rate it? Yeah, look, I'm giving it a solid uh, four and a half uh, samurai. That yeah, that is a good, solid, fun score for a Christmas special. I give Matt Lucas seven samurai to seven samurai. He was the star of the show. Um, but, yeah, the whole thing, four and a half stars, lots of fun. Um, and, yeah, roll on uh, season 10. So that brings us to an end of our first uh, nerd out for 2017. It's been a uh, it's been a fun ride. It's great to get back talking all the nerd stuff with my uh, dear young companion. That is you, Sandro. I hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as I have. Otherwise, it'd be awkward. Yeah, me, it would be quite awkward actually. I, I can't I can't imagine a situation in which one person enjoys doing the podcast and the other one's like, "Why am I still here?" If we rated this episode, I'd give this seven samurai out of seven samurai. That's how much fun I had. What do you give it? I would give it, um, yeah, I'd say probably seven. That's not the most. You had to wait far too long for that. If you're going to give us like five out of seven samurai, do it, okay? If, you, if you're giving it under five. Then I'm then we're, I'm worried about the future of this podcast. Well, I mean, this is episode seven of Nerd Out, and if we are going to be rating it out of seven, I think we need to give it the seven seven for episode seven. <laughs> it's the only rating we could give ourselves. Yeah, we think <laughs> yeah. we are hilarious. We're going to go on and rate ourselves on iTunes. That's for sure. <laughs> Wait, we, we haven't already? I thought we already did that. Bugger. Oh, oh, I mean, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, it's all from other people that aren't us. Ah. So, yes, um, next up, we'll be back uh, next week because we're going to do um, the entire uh, fourth season of Sherlock Rundown. So um, we'll be catching up to do that. And uh, already the, the, you know, the internet is on fire with uh, people's thoughts and opinions and, and love and hate 
for the you know the beast that will not stop that is Sherlock we've had a little bit of a chat about it so what we'll go into more detail we'll hold off on that until we do the whole season uh, that's going to be a big one that's going to be a really big one Sandro yeah it's going to be really big because of course Sherlock is a very divisive show especially at the moment I mean you thought season three was divisive season four has been even more so so it's going to be really interesting to hear your thoughts and also uh, share some of mine yeah. Now, uh, in between that, we're going to do a bit of a special for you, released within the next couple of days. We've done a nerd out special about the top movies of 2016. Um, that'll be coming out very soon. You care to share with the uh, the, the viewers what that special is going to entail? Yeah. So it was an annual event that I used to do on an old podcast called An Improbable Podcast. We did it up until 2015, and then I thought it could be fun to make the move to this. Uh, channel for the 2016 list. Basically, yeah, we just get all our favourite movies from the year, rank them, go through the list, give you a little bit of a review, a lot of recommendations, it's always fun, and we are joined by uh, fellow Australian podcaster Reese Parton, who you may remember if you heard uh, the dematerialisation of Doctor Who Series 8, the show that uh, Rob and myself did back in 2014 to wrap up that season, as well as Adam J. Purcell, the host of one of my personal favourite uh, podcasts, Staggering Stories he'll be joining us as well and it's always fun to catch up with those guys and talk movies and uh, you'll be there this time Rob as well there's a cameo appearance from me as well before uh, Skype decided that I shall not continue on with the conversation yes it was a, it was a hard podcast to, to record I'll say that much Skype was not on our side no but my favourite thing is I get in I name all my favourite movies my meh movies and my bad movies and then Skype cuts out so I kind of go in this is what I think then <laughs> I'm out of here <laughs> yes it's quite entertaining to hear, especially in the outtakes. There's one particular outtake you will want to hear, which is the moment that Rob's line drops, and the moment it does is quite funny, so I uh, could keep an ear out for that. Um, so, yes, and we'll keep an ear out for you as well, uh, gentle listeners. We'd like to hear you. Join our conversation. We want to hear what you think. What have you thought about? What do you think about Passengers? What did you think about uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special? We've already got some feedback on uh, online. Uh, it's great to hear people's opinions. We want to hear more of that. Bring it on board. Uh, hear your thoughts about Sherlock. Join the conversation. Join our Facebook page. You can send through your feedback to uh, feedback.nerdout at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Uh, links in the description, so have a look there. Plus, if you want us to review anything, uh, send us the title over and we will give it a red-hot go. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think we should be reviewing. That brings us to an end of another episode. It's been a joy. So I've been Rob Lloyd. This has been Sandro Felcher. And until next week, don't forget to nerd out. You were just listening to Nerd Out, Episode 7, featuring Rob Lloyd and Sandro Felcher. This has been an improbable podcast production. Feel free to contact us at feedback.nerdout at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook for any review recommendations or feedback. The links are in the description. The views expressed are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers or the network. The opening and closing music of the show is Nile by Dark Shadows. No copyright infringement was intended. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. But until next time, I've been Rob Lloyd. This has been Sandra Felter. Felcher. And until... Oh, fuck off, Rob. <laughs> Sandra Felter. He Felter. And uh, not the Chris Pratt, uh, Jennifer Lawrence way in Passengers. That'd be creepy. <laughs> Wait. What? Uh... Look, without, without telling her the full story, okay? Oh.
Right. Yes. That. Yeah. Never okay. lie to a girl, Sandro. If I teach you anything on this podcast, this is where I put my teacher hat on. Okay. Never <laughs> lie to a girl in such an extreme way to mm. get into her pants. Okay. Especially if it's Jennifer Lawrence. If you, yeah. If it's Jennifer Lawrence, you lie a little bit so you can say, you know, if you lie and say that you kick seven goals instead of in reality you only kick one, that's okay. Embellishing the truth is okay. Out and out lying, that is not a good thing to impress a chick. Okay. Mm, okay, thank you very much for that lesson. <laughs> you probably already know that, and so that's me mansplaining to you for no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been Rob Lloyd. As always, I have the late, great... No, you're not dead yet. Shit, that's... <laughs> 2016 is the fuck-ups in the introduction. 2017 is the fuck-up in the outros. So thanks for joining us this week with uh, the show. I've been Rob Lloyd. I'm always honored to have Sandra Felcher with me. And until next week, you better nerd out. It's a bit forceful, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Chris Pratt kind of forcing Jennifer Lawrence into some stuff. There you go, just forcing the listeners to... Okay, all right. I was just getting angry that I fucked it up. Okay, I'll do a more calm one. The outtake reel is probably going to go for as long as the actual podcast.